in the Book of Shadows. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 293. This time around, you are joined by award-winning actor, producer, and best-selling author, Alyssa Milano. At time of release, her new thriller, Brazen, is available now on Netflix. Alyssa talks about the circumstances and perspective that make this dark mystery unique. She discusses true crime, her first experiences with horror, revisiting her 1996 film, Fear, and so much more. Plus, she reveals her dream to be in a gory slasher film. It's blood and plot twists on episode 293, now playing... She didn't expect to die that night. She had no enemies that she knew of. Her life was pretty unremarkable. And then it hit her. What if she had a secret life? For some, the secret is a lot darker and a lot more dangerous. Kath? Kathleen! Oh my god! No, no! Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a powerful actor, producer, podcaster, and New York Times bestselling author who continues to create unforgettable work that is forever resonating. Feature films like the action classic Commando that redefined the genre, James Foley's Fear, 2008's Dark and Gory, Pathology, among many others. She's an important part of television history. The world has welcomed her into their living room, so over eight seasons of the Emmy and Golden Globe winning Who's the Boss, The Outer Limits, My Name is Earl, Melrose Place, and the trailblazing, longest-running hour-long series featuring all-female leads is which Phoebe and the WB's Charmed. There's the Annie-nominated voiceover work for Disney and DC. She's been celebrated with multiple okay, awards. Enough. It is not only her work in the entertainment industry that has been recognized amongst the most influential. She has had incredible impact using that voice to amplify those of others. In 2017, it was her initial call to action on social media that sent the hashtag MeToo movement viral and opened a vital conversation that is creating change and awareness to this day. We remember when at 15, she began to be a vessel of compassion and understanding standing towards the HIV positive. We recall when she kissed Ryan White in the Phil Donahue show to help prove it wasn't spread by casual contact. We remember that very, very intensely. It launched a lifelong commitment of speaking out. She's a goodwill ambassador for UNICEF. She's led political movements, been vocal for supporting voters' rights, and so much more. When stepping back and really taking it all in as one person's body of work, she continues to nurture and foster what is an extraordinary legacy. Her new project is a fun thriller called Brazen. It's about a mystery writer who must use her skills to solve her own sister's murder. It's exclusively on Netflix now. We are so honored to welcome Alyssa Milano. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, did, did my mother write that intro? That's a really, really lovely intro. Thank hey. you so much. Well deserved, and we uh, mean it. It's truly an the honor. Other thing, the other thing I realized is, like, there's I, no wonder I'm so tired. Exactly right. <laughs> like all the time. <laughs> to hear it all at once like that, I was like, oh, that's 
How do you keep up with yourself, right? Well, congratulations on the movie. We absolutely loved it. It is extraordinary. Creepy as well. Desiree. It's got a lot of freaky stuff going on. So let's just start there. What is your history with uh, kind of the thriller and horror genre yourself as a viewer? What do you remember about the first time you saw a horror or thriller film and how it made you feel? Oh, I mean, I... I will never forget seeing it was Friday the 13th it was the first horror film I, I saw. And I, I remember like never wanting to sleep again. And, you know, then I, I, after that I saw Jaws and that terrified me for like, I never wanted to bathe after that because I was convinced that a shark could come through the faucet <laughs> Which explains a lot about you know my hygiene today. <laughs> um, no, but um, you know I think I think I am really obsessed with all of these true crime stories. I think like everyone else in America right now, like we're there's this this real draw to uh, these true crime stories, and I think if we've done anything right with the brazen, we've really been able to. Um, uh, encapsulate that that uh, feeling as an audience member, um, you know, through that movie. Yeah, no, definitely, Leo. You hop on it right on with your question about. Yeah, that. <laughs> seen as a uh, true crime is so popular these days. It's a thing that's crossed over between like not just horror fans but non horror fans alike. And is there a particular like murder case that you're fascinated with? I mean, I think you know any of the. Um, serial killer stories um anytime you know any any anyone that that commits horrifying acts can get away with something that long that it especially with the the technology we have now and the way in which we can catch people like it's amazing that that anyone can actually follow through with with a crime nowadays with chatter and how you know the patriot act and and how no, none of us have any privacy and our data is sold and and you know i think it's 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 really interesting to me um because of all of that that people are still able to get away with horrific crimes or even be so kind of obsessed with actually doing them and, and lacking that moral compass where for a right. minute they think they'll either get away or, you know what I mean? It doesn't really make, uh, it doesn't really make sense, which is. Well, I think that that's the thing that people don't want to, the part that people don't want to say out loud about true crime is, um, or even watching horror films is that it, it taps into that dark side of us that we don't explore because we have the mechanism to go, you know what, this is not right. But I think we all have that. I think everybody has, um, uh, you know, a darkness or secrets, things that they're, they're hiding that they don't want to share or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I think that that was what was so fascinating to me about Brazen was, you know, telling a story about, secrets kept for legitimate reasons and then having a a relationship with your sister that 
that doesn't protect you to the extent that you get killed? And then what is that what is that grieving process like for the sister that's still alive? And then the fact that she's a crime profiler because she writes crime mystery, um, just that obsession that comes over Grace um, in this movie that she has to she has to be involved in finding out who this killer is. Um, and and I also love this idea of like she puts herself in a really vulnerable, messed up place in acting as Desiree, and this will all make sense when people watch the movie. But to me, that is such an act of, of service and love. She's, she's taking, she's empowering herself in being this person, even though she's putting herself in the most dangerous position she's ever been in in her life, simply to find the killer. So it doesn't happen again. So she can find closure with her sister's death and her relationship with her sister. And it's really complex. And, I, and you know, I think so much of, of what Nora Roberts does, I think, is very much she's, she's a page turner writer. Like you can't, you just eat it up, right? But, but I also think that she doesn't get enough credit for really um, making characters real. Um, but also uh, the depth, depth in which these stories really tap into someone's being and psyche. I think it's really, I think it's really fascinating. And so all, for all of those reasons, I was like, sign me up. I'm ready. The Boo Crew will be right back. Friday the 13th is a story of madness carried beyond its limit. It is a film that is not recommended for the very young or for people who are prone to nightmares. Friday the 13th, you may only see it once, but that will be enough. Friday the 13th, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parents. Was Nora a part of the world building on set or there to guide or inform anybody in any of the characters or was that kind of given? Right she to the had, director? you yeah. know, a, lo a lot of say in the script um, and in the casting, she had casting approval. Um, and it was funny because I've had, I only had one conversation with her and I, you know, I had read the book and I read the script and there were very obvious things about the character um, but what I asked her was what, tell me something about the character that's not on the page. Interesting. That's not in the book and that's not um, in the script. And she said, well, she's the kind of girl that'll jump up on the counter and drink a beer and eat a slice of pizza. And I was like, I can, I can work with that. Like really? And it just that little, that little thing, that little bit of information completely changed my perspective of the character who seems, you know, incredibly stoic and very clever and, you know, and very um, successful. So I, we could have taken her in this very um, 
like power suit direction, you know? Um, but just with that little bit of information, I was like, oh, oh, that's even, that's even better. <laughs> like, that's even better than I was imagining. Did you always stick to the script or did you improvise any lines on your own? Uh, we improvised uh, at, at times for sure. You know, we had a very unique uh, shooting experience because we were in the middle of COVID. So it was, you know, PPE covered in masks and shields and, and that's, you know, the part was hard because she's grieving for 90% of the movie, but then you add on top of it, this sort of disconnect that you have with the other actors because you're covered up and you're not actually looking into their eyes until you're, you know, rolling. It was a very different way to shoot it. And I think if you look at the film and you watch the film, knowing that we were disconnected, you'll actually see um, a tension that's in the film that I think we wouldn't have had if we weren't shooting in COVID. Like we were all terrified of getting COVID. It was the first time any of us had worked after the pandemic. I had been sick before. I was like, I don't know if I could do that. Like I, the, the anxiety, which I have anyway, but you know that feeling you had when you just started to venture out? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what this whole movie experience was like. So it, that part of it was terrifying. So I, we were all holding our breath at, any, at every moment anyway. And so I think that that added to the tension in the film. Because there's, when I watch the film, there, like, there's, there's, there's not a lot of... Um, like the film never settles in. It always feels like it's upping the ante. And I think that was just the place that we were all in. Yeah. Working with uh, director Monica Mitchell, is there a particular scene that was the most challenging to shoot? I mean, the whole thing was challenging again because of COVID, but also I think, you know, just emotionally playing a part where, you know, in, by page 11, I find out that my sister has been killed. I find her dead. And then to go through that emotion, you know, for three months, which is how long we shot, um, all of that was challenging. But I think, you know, the, the good news was, is that it was scheduled in a way that all of the, the dominatrix stuff was, was, at the end of the shoot, which, you know, normally doesn't happen. Normally all that stuff is in the beginning, all that awkward stuff is in the beginning. And you're like, why am I in latex? You know, (laughs) but (laughs) because we shot it, you know, pretty, pretty in order. um, uh, The latex made sense. (laughs) Um, You know, so I think, yeah, I think that, the, the hardest, trickiest part of, of all of it was just diving into the emotional aspects. Because for me, like, I can't, I'm not good at faking it. I, I need to go to a dark place to, to emote any sort of emotion. I just, I need to dive into my own shit. And that's, that's, it's not easy to do every day. Mm. 
That said, what you know, you've played in the sandbox of genre, be it thriller, mystery, horror, a number of times through your career, as much as you've done comedies or more straightforward dramas. What would you say would be the elements of performance that genre pictures tend to require or ignite that might make them land a little different from a more conventional piece for you? Or are they similar? They all have their challenges, I would say. I mean, I think for me, uh, just the way my mind works creatively, the most fun I'm having acting is is when I am... (laughs) creating a character that is either really unlike me or very much who I am. And they both have their pluses and minuses. The ones that are very much like I am, which would be more like um, charmed, you know, for instance, where you have this character that is always finding the humor and, and, and really just empowered. And um, that was a big, part of who I was at that time. Um, the other side of that, when you look at, you know, comedies that I've, I've done, even, even the Roku piece that I just did, the Fairly Brothers um, show that I just did for Roku, I played a, a toad truck driver from Michigan with purple hair and a nose ring. And um, that's super fun, you know, and to find comedy in, in those characters is really fun. You know, like what I did in uh, wet, hot American summer or insatiable, where that was like a whole different, whole different character. You know, she was Southern and thought she was a Southern belle. And, you know, so I, I think what, gets me excited is is uh surprising people yeah. hey, we want to end on this one question uh, we recently gave this a rewatch and um is tremendously impactful on us is uh the work you did on on fear hmm. left a real imprint on us and it, it still holds up to this day it is so dark and one of the scenes we remember most from the whole movie is that incredibly disturbing moment when david throws margo over his shoulder what do you remember about that just entire experience and the things you learned about yourself as an actor doing it? Yeah. I mean that it was definitely a little violating for sure. I mean, James Foley, our director was, was awesome. And Mark was, was great. And Reese is incredible, but you know, I was 22 year old um, trying desperately to find my own footing as a young woman and a sexual being and, and an artist and wasn't really given, well, women at that time weren't really given opportunities to be, um, to be real people, right? We were just caricatures of, of women or, or a, a man's ideal of what, you know, a 22 year old would be. Um, so I, I think, I, I, I am very proud of my work in that, but I'm especially proud of that movie because it was so ahead of its time. And that was before the internet. Like that was like, people didn't have, so it wasn't before the internet, but it, people didn't have social media to stalk, right? Like that was a stalking movie where it wasn't about online stalking. It was about like, you know, I'm going to, if you're not mine, all hell's going to break loose. Um, but yeah, that, it was a special experience and, 
you know, Reese and I are still friends to this day and I just adore her. And, um, and I feel blessed to have been in that movie, but also like to see how much the industry has grown for women. I mean, our, our crew in, on Brazen was 50% women. That's incredible. That's great. I mean, that's a huge thing. And, you know, kudos to Netflix for understanding the importance of, of allowing that to happen and allowing us to tell a story from a woman's perspective. But to see that transition from, you know, the beginning of my career and, and the place that women were in within the industry and see it now, even within like the last three years, it's really, it's really special. I'm just really so grateful that people still invite me into their homes and that I've been able to see this transition happen and and have a little bit to do with it. Of course. Yeah. You've been an important part yeah. of that. Well, yeah. Alyssa, thank you so much for your time. Congrats on Brazen. Yes. It's always so exciting to experience your work on screen. I want to do a real horror film. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. That would be amazing. I want to do a real horror film like like a slasher gory horror film so i'm just putting that out there to your universe yeah we want it we want is there a particular franchise you'd love to jump into that's existing i don't know do you what do you think i mean hey you you mentioned friday the 13th and you know know bring it back I do it. We would love it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just put it out into the ether. (laughs) Well said. Well, again, thanks for your amazing work on screen and in the real world on the front lines, standing up for all the stuff that uh, means so much to many of us. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks again. Have a great day. Thank you. Of course. Talk soon. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 293. Special thanks to our guest, Alyssa Milano. At time of release, her new film, Brazen, is available on Netflix now. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Until next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com/podcasts. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. 
Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 